Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I'm Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who's been dealing with addiction and mental health issues for several years. I'm walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. Today's guest is a family friend of ours from church, Catherine Osborne. She went through the coming of age program with Joey a few years ago at church, and I've known her since she was a toddler. Catherine shared with the church that she was recently diagnosed with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I thought it might be good for our audience to learn from an eloquent teen how OCD feels. Nowadays, some people joke that they have OCD when they're bothered when something doesn't quite line up or if there's one tile that's a different color. You see memes about OCD all the time, but it's a very simplistic view of OCD that doesn't really honor the lived experience of people who struggle with it every day of their lives. So thank you for coming to share your story with us, Catherine. Welcome to Safe Home. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Well, first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your age, your hobbies, that kind of thing, what you've got going on. Yeah, I'm 19 years old. I'm an artist. I love to draw. I love cats and I really love birds. My favorite place is going to the duck pond and seeing the ducks and identifying the different species. Yeah. I love art and I love birds. <laughs> okay, awesome. Do you draw birds? I do draw birds. I draw lots of birds. I've drawn geese. I've drawn Muscovy ducks. I've drawn coots. You name it. I've, I've drawn the bird. <laughs> nice. Nice. And you just graduated from high school, right? Yes, I did. And I'm going to college. Yeah. Ah, very good. And what are you going to be studying or are you just taking general ed right now? I'm doing both. I'm going to be doing studio arts transfer degree because I'm, I'm going to community college and then I am also going to be fulfilling my general education. That's so great. Yeah. And I'm a huge community college proponent. Yes. Partly because I work at once, <laughs> but I think they're really awesome because if you're not exactly sure what you're going to do for the rest of your life when you're 19, it's a great place to try some things out it's much less expensive and you can switch gears really, really easily. And they tend to be very nurturing environments. So I hope you have a really great experience at your community college. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, how long ago did you get diagnosed with OCD? It was last summer when I was diagnosed with it, I think around July or August. But even beforehand, my OCD symptoms had been popping up for a long while. As long as you can remember or? Not since I was a kid. Since around when quarantine started, okay. that was when the symptoms really began. And oh. it's interesting in retrospect because before COVID hit, there was like a small period of time where I was going through the OCD pattern very mildly. And it was weird. And I I was weirded out by it. I didn't know what to make of it. And then it eventually passed on. And then... COVID hit and then I was right back <laughs> to square one with it. Uh, did COVID, like the quarantine, exacerbate your symptoms or was it just a coincidence that it happened at the same time? COVID, it made everything worse. Yes, it did. Yeah. <laughs> the isolation aspect of it. And it gave me a lot more time to enter the cycle of OCD with my different obsessions and fears that I had. And not having that usual social interaction day to day of going to high school and seeing my friends, it 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 took a lot of what was self-soothing when before COVID. Yeah, I think a lot of people, their mental illness and their addictions kind of ramped up yes. with COVID. It just made everything really, really hard. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. What does it look like to you? You're talking about cycles yeah. of OCD. What does that mean? Yeah, OCD has layers. And as you dig more, there can be so much nuances and complications with it. But at the very basic, OCD follows a cycle. You have the obsession, 
you have the anxiety, you have the compulsions, and then you have the relief. Obsessions can range from fear of harming, fear of cruelty, fear of morality. You could name it and there there is some subtype of OCD out there, which is wild because when I was first researching into it, I had no idea. And then you have the anxiety aspect of it, of the what if, the what if of what if I did this thing or, or does this intrusive thought I had, does this mean something about me? And then you have the compulsion, which either you have more physical compulsions, uh, which is more common in media. Like you'll have someone turning a light switch off and on or uh-huh. turning the stove off and on. Or you have more mental compulsions of checking in your head. You have counting. There is a lot. Uh-huh. And then you have the relief from the compulsions and mm. That's the function of compulsions is to make yourself feel better. You said, okay, I did this thing and now I feel safe from this thought that I had. I no longer have to worry about it because I did this thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the thoughts will come back no matter what. And then it repeats. <laughs> That's the cycle that you keep going over and over again. I see. Now, the stove is one that everybody probably knows. Checking the stove or yeah. worrying that you left the stove on and going back and checking it. What is the, the obsession comes first, yeah. right? What is the obsession that would cause that compulsion? For that kind of compulsion, that I think would fall under like the harm range, especially if people who are afraid of like their their house might burn down or in the case of locking their door again of like someone's going to break in and, and murder them or something with crime is also yeah. common. Oh, okay. But it doesn't necessarily always have to connect. It's odd. You you have the aspects of OCD where it makes sense. You're like, okay, you know, I don't want my house to go on fire. So mm-hmm. obviously I get turning the oven off and on again. But I've struggled a lot with it is that you can take an unrelated obsession and an unrelated action and still have them connect. Because with how the OCD brain works, from my experience, you go from point A to like point Z. It's a huge jump. Like it's not rational. Uh, you could go from I'm cutting up some tomatoes to, oh God, I'm going to like kill everyone I love. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> like it's ridiculous okay. when you think about it. But OCD brain is very good at twisting and doing awful yoga into <laughs> uh, making you believe things. Oh my gosh. That is really scary. Yes. And You call it intrusive thoughts. Can you tell us more about what that means, intrusive thoughts? Yeah, of course. Intrusive thoughts are disturbing images, thoughts, ideas that repeatedly, with someone with OCD, repeatedly gets in their mind. And it's something that they can't stop. That's the scariest part, because even you could sit there and argue and rationalize with them as much as you want, but they're going to keep coming back. Okay. So it doesn't work on the brainwave of rationality. It's something below the surface kind of unconscious subconscious yeah most it's definitely subconscious and i found that intrusive thoughts like at the root of them they usually reflect some the sufferer's fears for something i've struggled with in the past when it comes to like harm ocd where there's just this deep fear that you're going to hurt someone that you love so Uh then of course what the intrusive thoughts do is that they just reflect it back at you and they give you those Uh disturbing images and thoughts of oh god what if I'm going to go insane or go be a terrible person or something? Uh-huh. It's like a soundboard almost like it just uh, picking back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and I've known Catherine, like I said, since she's a toddler and she's be the last person I'd ever imagine hurting anyone. She's like the sweetest person ever. <laughs> so that makes me so sad to think that those thoughts might be in your head of, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to harm somebody, but it's not like you will harm someone, but you just are worried that you could. Yes. Is that the intrusive? Yeah. 
it's always on the could. And it, it can jump between I will do this thing or I could do this thing. OCD is a shapeshifter of a mental illness where for each person, mm. it could be a vastly different experience. Like in my case, oh, wow. my experience of OCD can be there might be general things other people with OCD can relate to, but we could have like completely different obsessions, completely different compulsions. Yeah. It's it's unique. Are those memes that I talked about when I introduced you, are those disturbing to you? Where they kind of trivialize it. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Like at this point, I'm used to it because when I was younger, that's what my idea of OCD was, was those kind of yeah. memes or things when they're not. It's frustrating because especially I've, I think I've seen a couple of memes going, oh, haha, let's trigger this person with OCD so they'll go clean my house for me. And it's just like, oh, yeah. come on. like <laughs> Trivializes the whole thing. Yeah. And making it very quirky. And it's also a little aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what kind of support are you getting from, is there medicine for this yes. or you get therapy or what do you get when you have OCD? Yeah, I do a combination of both. I'm on antidepressants and I do therapy and actually it's a major win for me. I used to have to do therapy every two weeks, but now I'm on a therapy session per month. So okay. I'm making good progress. Yay. Yeah, there's a lot of different methods when it comes to handling OCD. Some people prefer going on medication. Some people don't like medication. It's all personal preference. Mm -hmm. But a major method that people use is exposure therapy, okay. where it could depend on the case. It could depend on the person's OCD and what their obsessions are. But for example, someone who struggles with contamination OCD, where they're afraid they're going to get sick or germs, which is a common thing you see in media. And that is that can be OCD. Yeah. An example of exposure therapy for someone like that could be touching like a used tissue that they used uh -huh. and with baby steps of first, like just sitting near the tissue and letting themselves just exist near it uh -huh. and then eventually build up to where they can touch it and pick it up and throw it away. Okay. And that would be an example of what exposure therapy would look like. Oh, okay. Okay. So you literally have to retrain your brain. Yes. Is that what that's trying to do? Essentially. <laughs> Create new brain pathways. So this doesn't always lead you to that other side of the coin. Yeah, most definitely. Right. Wow. Now, do you feel like the healthcare system missed some of your symptoms earlier or did it just come on so strongly at COVID and then you got help? I would say in my case, I'm very lucky with my access to healthcare and especially with my parents' support. I managed to get support very quickly. When I first was getting my symptoms of OCD and I started doing some research because I was like, okay, either I'm crazy or I'm a terrible person. I need to, I need to research what's going on. And yeah. I found OCD and I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is a glimmer of hope for me. Yeah. This might be something. And for, I think, a couple months, I suspected and was pretty sure that I had it, but not 100% because I didn't hadn't had official diagnosis. But during that time period of when my symptoms were getting really bad, I started therapy sessions with my therapist. And from there, she recommended me to go at least talk to a psychiatrist and see what they thought. And I was very lucky because it was one session and it was like 10 minutes passed by. And she's like, yeah, you have OCD. I'm like, okay, okay. great. All okay, right. Woo. A clear-cut case. <laughs> yeah. It does feel good to know what it is, yes, right? Yes. Like, at least it has a name. At least I can go read articles about it and books and YouTube videos and, right, at least you know what it yeah, is. It, it, bring, it brought me so much relief because before I knew fully whether it was OCD or not, there was always that deep fear of what if what if this is actually me? What if this is me as a person uh -huh. and I'm stuck with this and I'm going to be miserable for the yeah. rest of my life? And oh, 
nope. Yeah, that's terrible <laughs> yeah. to think about. Yeah. <laughs> and that what if, is that what if, is that the soundtrack of an OCD person's life? Yes. What if, what if, what it's if? always uncertainty because yeah. obviously as humans, we accept that life is never going to be a hundred percent certain. Like that's, that's an actual part of life and yeah. people who don't have OCD and generally go, yeah, that's part of life and move on. But when, when it comes to someone with OCD, that uncertainty of the, I don't know, or the, what if that is the impossible question. Cause it is, always lures you back because there can always be something. Yeah, there's no end to that, that circle of question, answer, question, answer, because there's always more. You can think of more what ifs exactly. forever. Ah. How did having OCD affect your school uh, and your academics? Academics wise, especially during online school, it was tough. Any person who had to do online school during quarantine did not have a good time. Um, <laughs> no. I thankfully managed to focus pretty well during classes. And when I started going back to in-person, it was a lot easier because I had a lot more social interaction. Mm -hmm. But I still had my bad days with OCD. A common thing I struggled with was sometimes I just I couldn't make eye contact with people. I remember one day I was in creative writing class and it was like the last period of the day. And I was just I'm not exactly sure why I had gotten that headspace, but I was sitting there and I was just staring at my desk. I think I was afraid if I looked at someone and I looked at their eyes and I would think something bad of them. Oh. Yeah. And huh. it's really weird and ridiculous. And it's honestly intriguing. It's intriguing for me because I'm like studying my own brain. Yeah. Maybe you'll be a scientist and <laughs> yeah. crack the code or something. That'd be really cool. Yeah. School wise, it made social interaction hard sometimes where yeah. it was a lot of second guessing myself. And some days I would feel yeah. like. I could be a social butterfly and be the extrovert that I am and talk to people and have a good day. And some days I just, it's isolating when you have OCD, Yeah, especially when you're self-aware about it. It's just constantly like you're aware that other people don't think like this. Other people don't have to (laughs) sit with a little terrible frat boy in your brain. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, like a annoying mosquito or something that just won't go in. It's hard. I would imagine it'd be hard to concentrate on other things or to to think about other people. It would be very isolating. Is that what you experienced? Yeah. No, it was, it was really hard, especially when it came to anything with friendships or romance or just like just being a human being. OCD makes it that much more complicated. Ah, and now that you're on medication and have had therapy, is that improving for you? Are you noticing a big difference? Yes, most definitely. I would say the time, the period of time during quarantine where I was unmedicated and I hadn't yet gotten my diagnosis is probably the hardest part. I've had a couple really bad episodes with my OCD when I when I've been on my medication, but that also comes with adjusting to my medication, and I'm not always the best at taking it on time. <laughs> um, uh, that's yeah, also yeah. something I have to work on. But overall, though, I will say that before my medication, the ground I was standing on was so unstable, and it felt like every day was shifting sands, and I didn't know what to expect. Uh-huh. I didn't know what kind of like stimulation I was going to run into. Because every day, waking up, going about your day, OCD takes in whatever stimulation you have, the sounds, music, people, and it mm. turns it into personal pain. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That sounds so horrible. But with medication, I feel so much more stable where I am as a person with my identity. And even if I have my, my bad OCD days, but those those are rare and in between. And overall, I would say I am much happier. I feel more like me, (laughs) which is really nice. (laughs) Yay. Well, when you are having one of those bad OCD days, are you 
able to tell your family or friends, hey, I'm having a bad OCD day, lay off me <laughs> or, or give me some space or give me some grace? Yeah. Or, or do they help you out when you're having a bad day like that? Yeah, most definitely. My sister, she has been a huge presence for me, especially through quarantine and, and as, as I was struggling with, with OCD. Usually my family could tell when I was having a really bad OCD day because oh. there's uh-huh. I think as my sister described it, I asked her, because I can't remember that well, from an outsider's view, what did I look like when I was having a bad day? Mm-hmm. And she was like, it was like I was trying to grab an ice cube with oven mitts, where I am trying so hard to be normal and trying oh. so hard to not seem so tense and, and all scared lines. But that's what I was, where I would be super tense. I would tend to kind of draw into myself more and be extra quiet. Yeah. I also have like physical tics, like my hands, I'd move them or I tap my, my head a couple times or I would count like uh-huh. specific, like I tap and count specific things. Your tics, is that a way of your brain distracting you from the intrusive thoughts? Most definitely, I think. I also have like verbal tics where for a good while I said roses or it morphed into pretty roses eventually where Every time I had an intrusive thought that like really irked me, I would say pretty roses out loud. And sometimes sometimes people would, like go like, what? Huh? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> not you. It's me. <laughs> Is that something you planned to do or it just came out like that? It kind of came out like that. I can't really remember anymore how it exactly started. I just knew that like when I was in like the pits, pits of, when I was in the trenches with the OCD, I'm like, OK, yeah. I need to like choose a word. I need something I could hold uh-huh. on to that's going to uh-huh. keep me focused. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good idea. But I can see if you're in the middle of the grocery store and you say pretty roses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, what are you talking about? That's why I'm really grateful for masks. <laughs> there is something to be said. You can uh, mouth words and do all sorts of things and nobody has to know anything what you're doing. Exactly. And a lot of my friends were really sweet. They would notice my verbal tics and sometimes would say it with me. Especially like my best friend. It's very, it would always speak with her. I'll say like pretty roses and she'll be like pretty roses. So it's, yeah. (laughs) Do you know if, I know you're not like some OCD expert, you're just talking from your own experience, but is it something that teenagers often get at adolescence or is it something more grownups get? I would say from the data I looked at, which is also, I, I think I got it from the World Health Organization. I think it's almost 50-50. I'm not entirely sure, but I know OCD is a lot more common than people might think it is. Yeah, and the last numbers that were reported was like from like 2007. Plus with the time difference that we've had, I would have to say there's probably so many more people with OCD, oh, yeah. especially with COVID-19 and with the pandemic and quarantine and how it all just, oh, it, ma- it made it made mental health issues just worse. <laughs> Everything, yeah. And I'm sure if you were a germaphobe or however it's a nice way to say that, I'm sure if if you had that and COVID came, that made that way, 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 yes. way worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I was talking to yeah. my sister about it, of how we were both doing research into OCD and how for some people with OCD, like things like I, like quarantine and lockdown reassured them because it, 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 it oh. felt safe. You know, you safe, you could stay home sure. and not have to go out. And I, I remember reading an article about that, of how it has been a tough transition for a lot of people, whether they have OCD or not, to go back just into day-to-day life. Yeah. And it's it's a hard transition, especially I can imagine for people who struggle with contamination and germs because it's, it's scary. Yeah, that's no joke. I mean, for a long time, we'd be just like, oh my gosh, they're just, you know, too concerned about this. But then COVID happened and we're like, oh. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess we all should be concerned. Yeah. Oh, wow. What if a parent is listening that has a child that might be exhibiting some symptoms like what you're talking about, 
or these intrusive thoughts or even just the kind of the isolating because yeah. maybe they're not verbalizing it. What advice do you have for the parents? How should they react or act or help their kid? Yeah, that is a really good question. And I've been thinking about that. I think patience is the number one thing here. It's probably the hardest thing because whether your loved one who has OCD is your partner or a parent or your child or a sibling or just a friend, it is hard being on the outside perspective of it because I, I, I've i talked to my parents and I've talked to my sister about it and it it's hard when you don't understand what's happening because to a person yeah. without OCD who either is neurotypical or struggles with something else, it doesn't make sense because you'll see someone with OCD, they'll get so freaked out over a tiny thing and you'll go, why are you, like, why do you care so much? This is like, this is a, a tiny bump or this is just like a, just a thought. It doesn't mean anything. Uh -huh. And when it comes to that, even if you don't understand it, of having patience of sitting down with them and going, OK, let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about what you're feeling right now. Reassurance is also a major part of OCD. And it's a hard mm -hmm. line to walk when either you're a loved one or you're someone with OCD is because reassurance is a compulsion. For example, if someone's struggling with OCD with like morality and being a good person and being or being a bad person, they want to ask their friends, they want to ask their family, hey, am I a good person? Oh. oh, hey, did I do something bad recently? Like they will those kind of questions. And oh. it's it's hard because you want to comfort the person with OCD so bad. You want them to feel better. But what happens mm -hmm. is that giving them reassurance and getting reassurance, it buys into that OCD. It tells the OCD this works. This is this, this thought that you're having is something valid and you have to keep asking to check. Oh, so what should people do if you, if you keep asking, am I a good person? Am I a good person? What are we supposed to say? I would say it's a hard, it's, it's a hard one. I think what I've done before is responding calmly and not going, oh, you're crazy. Like what you keep asking the same stupid question, what's wrong with you mm -hmm. of going, okay. Like mm -hmm. I, I could tell that you're really struggling with OCD right now. You're you're having you're you're not having a good time right now, and mm -hmm. telling them that I care about you and that I love you and these thoughts and these fears that you have are passing clouds, <sighs> because the human mind is really good at catching patterns and it's natural. We go cloud watching and we see shapes in the clouds. We see animals in the clouds. Mm -hmm. I like to think that that's how intrusive thoughts work. Where everyone gets intrusive thoughts. It's it's a natural part of being human where you just get a weird thought sometimes. You're like, oh, that's weird. Get out of here. Um, <laughs> yeah. But with people with OCD, when they have that cloud, they see a cloud, they see a pattern in it, and they hold on to it because they think it means something. <sighs> and I found that passing clouds is really comforting. Just It's like as a small reminder that like, hey, like the thoughts that you're having right now, the fears that you're having right now, they're passing by. They're hard and they're scary, but they don't have any bearing on your reality or who you are as a person because they're just thoughts. Great. And just listening. I love that. Just listening to the person with OCD. Just being a good listener. Yeah. And also self-care is incredibly important, especially when it comes to relationship OCD, where an OCD sufferer, they're either they're married or they're in some romantic relationship and their OCD focuses on their partner. And oh. I've experienced this myself and I would not wish this on my worst enemy. <laughs> <laughs> it is awful because your OCD focuses on everything on your partner about whether you're attracted to them, if they're the right person or not. And it's really scary because you like to feel certain in your choice that I love this person. I want to be with this person. I don't want to hurt them. Uh -huh. And 
for people who are partners with people OCD, allowing yourself time to step back and take care of yourselves, and that applies to anyone with loved ones who have OCD, is making sure you're taking care of yourself first and Mm -hmm. obviously make sure that your loved one is safe and that they're taking care of themselves as well. But you can't help someone else if you're struggling to. Yeah, put your own oxygen mask on first, right? And and I I bet that if a person has OCD and they're really in one of those cycles, nothing someone else says is going to help. Is that true? Or is there certain things that we could say that would just kind of get you out of it? Out of it? I would say that's a tough one. I don't know if they're, at least in my experience with getting out of it, I think I found just having someone like sit with me even even if they don't have the the right words to fix it cuz i know it is <sighs> at least so far in my experience it it's kind of like an impossible task because the brain can the brain will always continue to come up with something and you could say the most eloquent comforting words and then some yeah. other thoughts going to come crashing through the front door and i think it would be emotionally exhausting <laughs> for any parties yeah. involved with that I I bet it could become a vicious cycle Yes, and it could be very frustrating for everybody involved. I'm sure. So just sitting, listening, saying, tell me more Would that kind of thing help. Yeah, most definitely. I'm curious what that feels like. Yeah. Some loving compassion without kind of entering into the vortex yourself. Right. Most definitely. The arguing probably doesn't help, but no, it's not like that. Yeah. But yes, it is in my head. No, it's not. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, the arguing. Yeah, <laughs> no one arguing. It's not it's not going to get anywhere healthy or good. Yeah. And if the person OCD is comfortable enough of sharing their intrusive thoughts, this is a tactic that I am still working on. It's it's a tough one where verbalizing your intrusive thoughts makes you realize just how ridiculous they are. Oh, OK. Saying them out loud. Yeah, saying them out loud or expressing oh, to okay. someone that you trust. It's really hard because... There's this belief that once I say something or at least speak an intrusive thought I had, that means it's going to be real or it it just it makes it feel more real, which is scary because yeah, it's out there in the world. Yeah. Uh-huh. Especially when someone like knows what kind of intrusive thoughts you had. And especially if you have intrusive thoughts about your loved ones, it is really hard because you don't know how to sit down and go like, hey, gang, <laughs> I'm having terrible thoughts about all of you. Want to talk about it? Like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good and icebreaker. <laughs> Yeah, it might scare them yeah. and make them scared to help you, I wonder. Yeah. That's really tricky. That's tricky to navigate. Yes. <laughs> but it sounds like your family has been really good for you and they've been very compassionate and understanding and found you the help you need, right? Yeah. I've been incredibly lucky with my friends and my family mm. of just how understanding they've been with me, especially like my best friends who have seen me like at school, like in the trenches <laughs> with it where like I've, I couldn't do eye contact. I would just do a bunch of funky hand movements. Uh-huh. I would like go really quiet or really silent or like I would keep repeating things. And uh-huh. they've been there for me and provided a shoulder for me to lean on. And just Aww. they didn't have to fix anything. I really just needed them there as I sorted through things. Yeah. You just need someone to be there supporting you without finding the correct words to say or anything. There's yeah. probably no correct words just to be there for each other. Yeah. That's really great. I'm glad you had that support. <laughs> me too. Now, if somebody is worried they have OCD, do they go to their psychiatrist or just do a doctor? What is the first step when they think they have OCD? Yeah, there's a lot of websites online for like different clinics for OCD that I'd recommend. Mm -hmm. And I would say if you're feeling like the symptoms that you're having matches OCD research, it brings so much relief of looking up the different types and identifying and seeing, oh, I do patterns like this, or I have intrusive thoughts like this. Because 
knowing those patterns can help combat the OCD a lot more because you can separate yourself from this is me and this is my mental illness and that I'm struggling with. This isn't, I'm not one in the same with this. Yeah. But yeah, going to the doctor, going to the psychiatrist, if you can, it's tough with healthcare and affording those yeah. kind of things. But thankfully, there are a lot of methods out there online for free that, that you could do. Oh. And a lot of websites that go into detail about the different subtypes, about the different behaviors that come with it. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool OCD clinics out there. And I, I'd recommend if you can go to your doctor, you have a therapist, mm -hmm. talk to your therapist about it because mm -hmm. that's a great step. You showed me a YouTube channel that talks about OCD. I thought it was really interesting. I can't remember what it's called, though. Yes, that YouTube channel is one of my favorites because I remember running into it when I was still not completely sure if I had OCD. And there mm -hmm. are so many videos on it that are so intriguing. And they explore a lot of like the smaller nuances about OCD and the difference. the so many subtypes of OCD. OCD and anxiety, what the channel is. Yeah, I'll put that link in the notes. Yeah, I thought he explained things very clearly. I believe there were cartoons. Yes. So that's always fun. Well, there's a lot of great info out there. And if you think you or a loved one has OCD, just go get the help. And Catherine obviously has been helped greatly just knowing what she has and then being able to get the help related to what she needs. And I'm so proud of you <laughs> for figuring it out uh, and going to get the help you need. And I'm super proud of you for coming on to share with the world about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's really amazing. A lot of people wouldn't do that. And I think at least our goal with Safe Home is to destigmatize mental yes. health and addictions, but it just needs to be talked about more. Yeah. So thank you for talking. And maybe your talking about it here on the pod will help somebody maybe talk to their friend about it or talk to their parent or ask their kid what their experience might be like and just open it up for more communication so people could get the help they need. Yeah, I, I, re I really hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, we'll let you know. People write in. Tell me, even anonymously if you want, just let, let me know if what you heard today from Catherine helped you mm -hmm. and I'll get the word back to you. Wouldn't that be fun to know? <laughs> yeah, that makes me I'm nervous. I hope I, I, hope I helped. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because podcasting is very much a one-way road. Yeah. It goes out and not very much comes back in, but we would always love to hear from you guys. So safehomefamilies.com is our website. You can find our contact information there. And I'm sure what you shared is going to help people. So thank you very much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. So listeners, thank you. And share this episode with someone you know that might be dealing with OCD or might be wondering if OCD might be on the table. And just it's good to inform people about all sorts of different mental health issues. So next time you find somebody with OCD, you won't just think of them as the people in those memes <laughs> that don't like tiles that are exactly not right, lined up. Yeah. You know, we can expand our knowledge about these things. So and uh, you can find Safe Home Podcast on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Connect with us there. And we do have a Patreon page if you'd like to donate a few dollars every month to support our commercial-free podcasts, you can find us at patreon.com slash safehome. Wanted to give a big shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Catherine Becker. She was last week's episode guest, so we're just thrilled to have you in our Patreon family.
Well, thanks again, Catherine. You're awesome. I'm so glad we know you. And Joey also, by the way, sends his love. Yeah. He couldn't be here today. That's but okay. I, I, I'm so proud of him. I hope he's doing good. Yeah, he's doing okay. He, like you, wants to help other people. From what he's learned from his diseases and situations, he wants to help other kids have not quite so hard of a yeah, time. that's so amazing. You guys are both doing a great job. So, Very good. Well, thank you, Catherine. Catherine and I want you all to stay, stay safe. safe.